0: videos keep getting more ridiculous. Really good-looking kid at the beginning of that video, though. So, um, stylish, good-looking kid. Anyways, glad you guys are here this morning. If you are new to the church, uh, sometimes in the summer, usually in the late summer, do things a little bit differently, and we kind of focus in on some stuff that, that I feel like we need to kind of nail down and talk about. And last couple of weeks, we've been talking about prayer, and I hope you guys have been doing the outlines. I don't know if anyone's doing that. I I hope some of you are doing that. I think it's really helpful to fill that out, to get in the habit of praying that. If you have the app, we've been sending out notifications for prayer every single day, and I hope that's helping you, and I hope that's good for you. Um, But again, if you're new, we typically go through whole books of the Bible, and we spent about 10 months in Acts, took a little bit of a break doing some prayer stuff, family stuff for the next couple of weeks, and then I I guess in about three weeks, something like that, We're going to jump into the book of Revelation, right? Church splits and, you know, all kinds of stuff's going to happen and ensue from that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, But we'll dive into that, and (laughs) that'll be a very eventful fall and winter. Good times. And um, all right. So today, though, here's what we're going to focus on. And I'm going to preface this lesson uh, with just kind of a little bit uh, about me. Today, we're going to talk about the physical family and the spiritual family. And I'm going to give you a 30,000-foot view of this. And the next two weeks after this, we're going to really kind of hone in on what it means to be a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, a son, a daughter. We're going to really kind of focus in on that. But today I'm going to give you just a, a kind of a general overview of family, right, both physical and spiritual. Now, here's my preface part. I'm kind of an odd person to teach this lesson because I didn't grow up in a very stable home. Um, my wife uh, came from a very, very strong home where they ate together and spent time together, and, and that wasn't my childhood. So my parents were divorced when I was younger, and my family literally split and went all different directions in the country, and I have no relationship with my father, I have no relationship with my sister, and my mother, who I'm very, very close to, who's probably watching me right now in St. Louis, I'm very close to, uh, but that's it. And so... Um, we never, you know, had dinner together, to, to the best of my recollection, we just never had that, that tight, nuclear family. So for me to teach about family, for me, maybe not for you, but for me, it's, it's a little awkward. Now in my life now, I feel like I have a very strong family, my wife and I, and we have two little girls, nine and six, and I believe we do family pretty well. And uh, we've had to work very hard at that, but, but I feel like we're doing our family well. But I come from a very unique background. Oddly enough, though, statistically, more than half of you in this room have the same kind of background that I have, right? Broken home, blended families, uh, a lot of mess sometimes. So we're going to talk about some of those things today. We're going to talk about how important the physical family is and how vitally important the spiritual family. That's what you're in right now, the spiritual family. We're going to talk about that a little bit today as well, okay? So... You should have a notes handout in front of you. If you have the app, all the notes and everything is on there. If you don't have either one of those, everything will be on the screens around you. And if you're new, guys, we just get real straightforward and we're real honest. And we're going to do that today. We're just going to have honest, straightforward conversation, all right? we're going to talk about these things. So I'm going to pray. We'll jump into this. If I get a little, you know, passionate or heated at some things today, it's because it's a very, very important subject, all right? So uh, be gracious with me. I'll be gracious with you, and uh, we'll move forward, all right? Lord Jesus, God, we love you, we thank you. Lord, I wanna thank you for my family in this room right now, God. This, this, so many of my brothers and sisters, my moms and dads in this room right now, God. You have brought us together. We're eclectic and we're odd and we're different and we're unique, but Lord, that's what makes it so beautiful. And we thank you for this family, God. We thank you for our extended family, the other churches in our city, churches in our nation, all around the world, God. We pray that you bless them, Lord. God, we pray, Lord, that you open up our eyes and our ears today. Help us hear what you have to say. Lord, help us to learn, God, helping us to to sharpen each other. Lord, as iron sharpens iron, God, Lord, let us get uh, closer to you, God, and let us strengthen and encourage each other today. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, Lord, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so first, let's start off with the physical family. If you have a copy of the Bible in your hands, or if you have one at home, or if it's on your phone, you don't have to pick it up and necessarily do this. But if you go to the very beginning of it, in the first couple of chapters of the Bible, we get the creation story. Most of you know that, whether you're a believer in here or not. You have God creating the heavens and the earth, and then at the pinnacle of all of God's creation is you and I, right? Humanity. Now, after he creates man and woman, God, he looks at them and he gives them some very important instructions. First, he says that marriage is important, that a man leaves his father and mother, Genesis 2.24, and he is united with his wife. He bonds with his wife and they become one entity, right? One flesh. And then he says after that, that after this has taken place, this, this joining of man and woman, that they are to go and create a family, be fruitful and multiply. So from the very onset of creation, the very onset of human history, we have these roles that have always been there and will always be there, father, mother, sister, brother, right? We have these primary roles. I know there's more than that, but we're just kind of focusing on the nuclear family, right? 30,000-foot view of this. Now, we're also going to focus on the biblical roles of these people. Now, I know culture will tell us otherwise, but this is the biblical roles of these, these four people or four different kinds of people. a family. Now, for a father and a husband, biblically it says that men are to provide for their family, protect them, and to lead their family in the ways of the Lord. That means men. It shouldn't be your wives dragging the family to church every day. It should be you doing that. It should be you setting the standard for how you live. It should be you protecting, providing, and leading for the people in your home. That's according to Ephesians 6.4. It also says that men are to love their spouse like Christ loves the church. And that's a pretty high bar, right? One that we cannot achieve unless the Holy Spirit of Jesus is in us. But we are called to love our wives like God loves us. Mothers and wives, you are called to respect your husbands. Women, let me let, me let you in on a little bit of a secret. 90% of the men in this room are words of affirmation. That's their love language which means women, when you are disrespectful to your husband or when you're disrespectful to men in general, that cuts very, very deep into a man. It hurts us very bad. That's why God knows this, right? God says, women, respect your husband. It means a lot to them. Women are called to love the children, And women are the great balancer of the families, right? All of you know this if you're a man in this room, right? We wouldn't know that navy and black don't match if it wasn't for our wives, right? We just wouldn't know this. You're like, oh, that doesn't match at all. So anyways, women bring balance to the family. That's what they do. Brothers, sisters, children, young people in here, we are called to honor our parents. That is one of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20 that once we are under their umbrella until we marry our spouse and come out of that, we are to honor our parents. And we're also called to look after each other. It's one of the primary roles of siblings, look out for each other. Now, there's a logical reason that God created these roles. When these roles are executed the way God wants them to be executed, this is what develops us. This is what protects us. This is what grows us as good individuals. Now, let me show you some cool studies. These are not Christian studies. One of them is from the University of Pennsylvania. It reported that families that have a strong father presence, that the kids are twice as likely to get a bachelor's degree, 70% less likely to have a child out of wedlock, 80% less likely to get arrested and half as likely to struggle with depression. Now, when I talked about depression and anxiety a couple of weeks ago, I got a lot of pushback from that. Well, it's always a medical thing, and that's not true. A lot of it is environmental. And when there's an absence of a father in a kid's life, they are twice as likely to struggle with depression and anxiety. Extremely important that men act like men and lead their kids. Now, it's not just for men. It goes for women as well. According to Dr. Joan Luby at Washington University, that's in St. Louis, where I'm from, brain images have now revealed that a mother's love physically changes the physiology of the brain. And in particular, it addresses the hippocampus, which is where emotions are and where memory is stored. So a mother's love actually helps kids retain knowledge better and helps them handle emotions better. So God's design for the role of mother is vitally important to the mental health of society. Fascinating. And again, these are not Christian studies. These are secular studies. Another thing. So we see the importance of the father. We see the importance of the mother. There's also importance of siblings. Now let's get into the Bible for this one. In Genesis 1 and 2, God creates everything. In Genesis 3, man messes it up, right? In Genesis 4, not only does mankind sin against God, it sins against each other. And a brother kills a brother. And right after the one brother kills the other, God shows up. And he goes up to the brother that committed the murder, and he said, Cain, where's your brother Abel at? I don't see him around. Where is he? And Cain responded with irresponsibility. He says, what am I, God, my brother's keeper? And the implication in the Bible is, yes, You are to look out for your brother. You are to look out for your sister. So family members are called by God to protect each other. Not only do the parents lead, but the siblings are also to guard and protect the family. Now, here's the thing in case you haven't noticed. The family is hurting in the United States. We are struggling. And you know whose fault that is? Ours. Here's what's interesting. Let me, let me tell you the importance of the physical family to God. The importance of the physical family, the physical family, your nuclear family, your mom, dad, siblings, right? This family thing is a foreshadowing of eternity. God created these relationships on earth because it gives us a taste of heaven. Some of you are like, my family is not a taste of heaven, right? But anyways, we get this taste of heaven while we're on earth. Guys, that's why marriage is so important. We're not going to have marriage in heaven. Jesus addresses that in the gospel. It's going to be different because we're all going to be married to Jesus. But our marriage here on earth is so important because that love, that connection, that intimacy we have between a man and a woman is a foreshadowing of the intimacy that we're going to have with God, the love we're going to have with God in heaven. The family This gathering together in one place, sharing things, protecting each other, loving each other. There's a foreshadowing of the family that we're going to be a part of in heaven. Now, if we understand that the family is so important to God, we must also understand that the deconstruction of the family can be catastrophic for us. But here's what's fascinating about us. Though I think everyone in this room, Christian or non-Christian, would agree the destruction of the family is not a good thing. I think everyone will agree on that. And if we agree on that, it's fascinating to me, though, that we keep entertaining a culture that teaches things that are destroying the family. We all agree that the breakdown of the family is bad for us. Pornography is still a $13 billion a year industry in the United States. Porn destroys so many marriages and it is still an epidemic within Christianity. Watching TV shows that glorify adultery and watching things and listening to things to our kids disrespect their parents and then because we don't parent our kids and we let the TV parent our kids, our kids start acting like those kids and they disrespect us and we're so detached that we don't know what to do about it. And so we foster this culture that is destroying us. And it's amazing. It's just like what the Bible says. We are like dogs that return to our vomit. That's what we become. And we are entertaining things that are killing us and destroying our relationships. And many of us in this room, guys, are products of this. I wouldn't do it, but if I were to ask you to raise your hands or stand up, statistically, more than half of you in this room would stand up and say that you are a part of a broken family. The Pew Research Report says that only 46% of kids under the age of 18 right now live in a traditional family, mom, dad, sister, brother type scenario, right? But the majority of them do not. And so the importance of family, I think, is pretty darn clear. And I also think the ramifications, if we ignore these roles, is extremely clear as well. So you and I are going to have to decide today, are we willing to take the steps to turn the tide? I think we can all admit that there's a lot of brokenness, a lot of it, and we've all shared in it and we've all been affected by it, but we have to make a decision. Are we going to let this ship keep sinking or are we gonna do something about it? Are we gonna work on it? Now, let me pause there for a second. I know that there are a lot of you in this room that have broken families and it's your fault. I know that, I know that. I also know that there's a lot of you in this room that are victims. My mother was a victim. not saying my mom was perfect, but she was a victim, and the family didn't fall apart because of my mother. And so I know that there are some of you who have done wrong, and I know that there are a lot of you in this room that wrong has been done to them. Now listen, I'm sorry that you've been taken advantage of. I'm sorry that you've been abused. If you've made mistakes, I'm sorry that you made those bad choices, but we have to stop using the past as an excuse to not move forward. We've got to reach a point... Because Jesus Christ's blood covers a multitude of sins. And we have to make sure that we come to a place to where we can repent for those sins and say the past is in the past. What now? Let's move forward. By the grace of God, everyone in this room, you can be the mother, father, brother, sister, husband, wife that God wants you to be if you will just humble yourself and throw yourself at the feet of Jesus. We can be what we need to be. But we have to decide... Will we keep going down the same road of selfishness in individualized culture? Are we going to go down that road? Or are we going to follow the biblical road and be what the family is supposed to be? Okay? That's the physical family. Now, let's let's take a jump. Jesus kind of threw a kink in the chain when it comes to this idea of family. There's one time that Jesus was talking to his disciples. He's talking to a bunch of people who are following him and someone comes into the room and they're just like, hey, Jesus, your mother and brothers are waiting for you outside. He meant literal mother, Mary, and literal brothers, James and the rest of Jesus' brothers. They're waiting for you. Well, Jesus stops him and he says, hold on a second. Take a look around the room. All the people in this room, these are my mothers. These are my brothers and sisters. Anyone who follows the will of God, Jesus says, that's my family. Now, listen. Jesus wasn't putting down Mary. He wasn't putting down his brother James or any of his other siblings. That's not what Jesus was doing. He wasn't knocking on the family. He created the family. That's not what he's doing. But what Jesus was saying is, even more importantly than your flesh and blood relatives are your spiritual relatives, your spiritual family, that that's even bigger. And the Bible says that we need a spiritual family. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 lays it out extremely vividly. The Bible says, and let us watch out for one another to provoke each other to love and to provoke each other to good works, encouraging each other more and more until Jesus comes back. It's fascinating to me. Not only has God designed us to be in a physical family, God has designed us to be in a spiritual family. And the Bible says you need a spiritual family more and more and more and more as every day passes. So in the United States... Less and less people are going to church, and the Bible says, no, no, that's backwards. Every day we get closer to Jesus coming back, you need to be at church more. You need your spiritual family. You need that support. You need that help. You need that prayer time. Because the spiritual family is God's instrument to help us. The spiritual family is what holds us spiritually accountable, right? That if we're not living the right way, that we have a brother or a sister in Christ who says, hey, Corey, that's not right. You gotta stop that. The church family, the spiritual family helps meet practical needs. If, if you're a single mom and you're working two jobs and you're doing all you can, but you just can't pay the bills, let us help you. We will help you with that. We'll do financial planning with you. We'll get you in Dave Ramsey's financial peace. We'll do something. Let us help you. Let us walk that road with you. Maybe you're looking for a job, but you can't find one. Maybe there's someone in the church that owns a business. We can connect you. We can help meet those needs. The spiritual family is important when we don't have a father in our life. God gives us fathers. When we don't have a mother, God gives us mothers. When we don't have sisters and brothers, God provides that family for us. The church is important because we learn conflict resolution. A lot of different kinds of people, especially in this church. You have people from all walks of life, from all backgrounds, from all socioeconomic backgrounds, all kinds of things. And when you get an eclectic, weird group of people together, we have to learn how to resolve conflict. We have to learn how to talk. We have to learn how to be empathetic. We have to learn to love people better. In essence, being part of a spiritual family makes you a better person. It makes me a better person. It sharpens us. Not only does it make us better people, it makes the world a better place. The family of God is the hope of the community. I think we've gotten it wrong as Christians. Now, listen, I want to go to heaven one day, and there are times when I pray, Lord, please let your kingdom come. Like, like I'm done with this place, right? Let's go on. There are times I pray that. But here's the thing. I think we got it backwards. I think as Christians, sometimes we're looking so much to going to heaven when Jesus said, why don't you pray for heaven to come down to you? And so we are called to be the salt and the light. Jesus in the Lord's Prayer even says on heaven, or I'm sorry, on earth, as it is in heaven, that we are to bring it down, that the world needs us. Now, first and foremost, the Bible says we take care of each other. Make make sure your household is taken care of first, this household We meet each other's needs. We love each other. But when we love each other well in the church, that love spills out of the church onto the local community. It changes the city. It changes the government. It changes the nation. It changes the world. It changes economics. It changes the family dynamic. When we love each other well and take care of each other first. So some of you in this room may be saying, how can I get into that family, right? Don't have a family of my own. How do I get into this family? It's quite simple. We're adopted in. We are chosen by God. And we are saved by grace through faith. So when we believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior, when we repent for our sins, when we get baptized as a public statement of faith, we can then start to build a relationship with God. But we're not alone. You have people with you right? We start on this road of Christianity, but God doesn't let you walk that road alone. In this church, you literally have thousands and thousands of people walking that road with you, and we can walk it together. Is that road easy? No. But are you going to do it alone? No, you got people with you. You have people who will strengthen you and help you and encourage you. We also, though, sell ourselves short as the children of God, We read about salvation, we read about being a part of the family of God, and we say, we're saved by grace through faith, that's it. And we act irresponsible with our salvation. And that's not the way salvation works. When you are adopted by the King of kings and Lord of lords, he asks you to live at a higher level. Now, you can't do that on your own. That's why God fills you with the Holy Spirit. So when we are adopted into the family of God, God takes us up a notch, right? There's this standard, and he gives us the power to live at that standard. And when we make mistakes, we can go back to the Lord and ask for forgiveness, and he helps us, and he picks us up, and he dusts us off, and we keep moving forward. So you need this. I need this. Having a physical family is important, but not all of us have that. Isn't it amazing how God works, though? God knew that a lot of our physical families would get ripped apart, so we have a safety net called the church family, the spiritual family, and it is imperative to have the church family to grow spiritually. The church fills the gap where the physical family may be lacking. It strengthens us so we can go out and we can strengthen the world. And here's what's beautiful about the spiritual family. Everyone is welcome. (laughs) Everybody. Everybody. There's no discrimination in God's family. Just in a racial standpoint, I thought it was beautiful this weekend and we didn't plan it like this. Have an African-American, a Hispanic woman and a white guy on stage, right? And so you just get like this variation of color and it's beautiful. And this is the diversity of the family of God, but it goes deeper than just that. It doesn't matter what your social background is. It doesn't matter what your economic background is. None of those things deter you from being a Christian, a follower of God. Not only that, God doesn't even hold your past against you. Now, that doesn't mean you can do whatever you want in the family of God, but what it means is if we are humble enough to say, God, I have messed up, God says, cool, leave that sin out there and come on, right? He allows us to walk with us. He invites us to be a part of the family. God's table is huge. And if we are just willing to sit down at it, there's always a seat for us. God leaves it open. He says, come on, you are part of the family. Eat with us, dine with us, spend time with us. And when we get into the family of God, we become balanced people. All throughout the Bible, there is this balance thing going on, spirit and truth, right? And so there's this thing, this theme in the Bible of balance. And the church helps us find that balance. And what's so neat about the church is there are so many backgrounds. Within the church, there's going to be the rich and the poor, There's going to be the black and the white, people from other countries. There's going to be liberals and conservatives. There's going to be all this mixture of people. But we focus on the major and we leave the minors out. And that draws us together. It sharpens us. And in that environment, the fatherless find father figures. The motherless get encouraged and nurtured. The lonely find community. And in this, the ones who are struggling or addicted, they find accountability. They find help. That's what the spiritual family does. And again, we lay our differences aside. Because we're so diverse, because you're going to meet people from other walks of life than what you're used to or even comfortable with, it is going to grow empathy in you. There's a family that comes to this church, and I hope I don't embarrass them by telling this story. He's a good friend of mine. He's been a friend of mine, man, for about 12 years. We were friends before he was, uh, I would consider him before he was a Christian and before I had started this church, we were friends. I did his wedding. And so this guy, I guess about 11 years ago, was one of the most racist guys i had ever met. Not against African-Americans. He hated illegal immigrants. He hated Mexicans. He hated anyone south of the border that came into our country. Hated them. Hated them so much he owned a clothing company that made fun of illegal immigrants and he created a website to where you could log into his website and you could, you could call uh, ICE and get people deported. Like he created a, a portal for people to get kicked out of our country. That's how much he just, he just hated people over here. Now, 10 years ago, he married an illegal immigrant. <laughs> Met this beautiful woman, heard her story. Guys, I'm not trying to be political with this. I'm not trying to be a jerk. Here's what God does. God wants us to look at people like they're people. And God wants us to have empathy and love. And God wants us to hear stories and have grace and have mercy. Man, and and I know it's going to make some of you upset. And God doesn't want us to cut our Christianity out when we cross a border or a line. He wants us to love all kinds of people. And when a woman doesn't have a husband and she's got a little girl and she can't afford to feed that little girl, all she knew to do was come to this country. And he met her and he fell in love with her and now they have four kids together and they own a huge successful business. And it's just amazing though what God does in the context of the church. He stretches us and he makes us look at people differently. We have an elder at this church named Muhammad. He's a Christian, he's not a Muslim. But his entire family, besides himself, are Muslims. And we have so many people at this church who ah, oh, the Muslims. We hate all Muslims. They're all awful people. If you met Muhammad's family who are not Christians, they don't know the Lord yet. But they're gentle people. They're kind people. They're nice people. They'll cook you dinner. They will, they will serve you well. They're, they're wonderful people. And what happens is, is when we're in the family of God, we start to view people differently. And we start to look at them the way Jesus looks at them, not as enemies, not as a threat, but as people made in God's image. You know, Jesus addressed this. Jesus said, it's easy for you to like people like you. It's easy for a white middle-class American to hang out with white middle-class Americans. That's very easy. God says even non-believers can do that. But Jesus says we're called to love deeper than that. We're called to love people different from us. Jesus even goes so far. We are called to love our enemies. We are called to love the threats and we are called to love people that may encroach on our space, that we are called to love in a deeper way. That's what the family of God does. So this is a place for everyone. The family of God, the church, what you're sitting in right now, this is a community of the rich and the poor. We judge the rich, right? How evil the rich are. We have millionaires that are sitting in this room right now who are benevolent and kind and serve the Lord. We sometimes judge the homeless and the poor and we say, well, they're there because they made all these mistakes. And some of them are there because they're victims. Some of them are there because they served your country and came back all messed up. And we judge them, but we're in the same room together and we have to focus on the same things. You have eclectic, weird people in this room right now, right? You're probably sitting next to one of them right now. You have outcasts You have the popular, everyone's looking around, right? They are weird. Anyways, you have people who are reclusive, people who like to stay to themselves. You have all colors, all backgrounds, all pasts. And that's what makes this beautiful. But when we come together under the umbrella of Jesus, Jesus says, I want to take you up a notch. Is it hard Heck yes, it's hard. But God gave his only son that we could be filled with the Holy Spirit and we can live at a level higher than what we're living at right now. So let's talk about some practical things we can do to make the church better, the spiritual, spiritual family better. The first one is this. Stop talking so badly about each other. Stop gossiping. Do you know that's a sin? 1 Corinthians 6 Verse 9, it says that gossip, people that gossip will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what Paul writes. Speak kindly to each other. If you're offended by someone at this church, be a big boy, be a big girl, and go talk to them. They're your brother. Jesus said this, if someone offends you, bring that offense to them. If it doesn't work, get a friend and two of you go. If that doesn't work, get three of you go. And then if that doesn't work, get the church involved. So if you guys call, I'm going to tell Barbara to do this. If you guys call and you're like, hey, so-and-so really ticked me off. Can I meet with Corey? She's going to go, well, have you met with that person three times about the offense? Alone, with another person, with two person. If you say no, she's going to say, you can't see Corey. Because you haven't done it the way Jesus told you to do. Don't involve the church until it's your fourth go at resolving this offense. This is the way we have to do it. We also need to forgive people. Well, Corey, they never asked for forgiveness. It doesn't matter. you got to get over it. You have to let Jesus. Jesus even says in the prayer, we forgive those who have sinned against us. We have to forgive others. If we don't forgive others, it will stifle our growth as Christians. We have to forgive those that have wronged us. You also need to pray for the church, capital C, not just the experienced community church, the church. You need to pray for the other churches in this community. You need to pray for the church that might have hurt your feelings that you left. You need to pray for our churches in New England that we work with, the church in Africa that we work with, the church in El Salvador that we work with, the persecuted church all around the world. We need to pray for the church. We also need to learn to be servants. I'm talking about in simple ways. Guys, don't ever take the best parking spot at Target. Let someone else have that. Some of you guys are those helicopter parkers. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you feel convicted, don't you? In the time you've driven around the parking lot looking to get eight feet closer, you could have gotten into Target, bought Target, right, and come out and put it all in your car. <laughs> Park in the back of the parking lot. You need the exercise anyways, right? Park in the back and let someone else have the good space. When you're at the office, right? If someone needs to go on a coffee run, you do the coffee run. Pay for it. Crazy, right? You'll make it. You'll be all right. Be a servant. Learn to reach out and to love others and to serve others. Make yourself a servant. Here's a good one. You older people in the room, instead of constantly judging the generation after you, why don't you reach out and encourage them and try to teach them something? Huh. I get a kick out of older people. They're like, man, this generation, and I'm like, who raised them, right? You younger people, you're welcome, right? Now let me go on the other side of that. You younger people need to shut up long enough and respect people older than you and learn from them, right? (laughs) Older people are like, yeah. Those of us in the gray hair club, I'm in it now, right? It's because we've lived a little longer. We know something. When I meet someone, I have an old car. I love old cars. And my favorite thing about having an old car is going somewhere and having someone in their 70s or 80s who used to have that car, right? And they'll go, man, I used to have one of those. And I just wanna talk to them and I just wanna hear their stories because they know things that I don't know. They've been to places I haven't been to yet. They have wisdom that I haven't gained yet. Older people, reach down and pull the younger ones up. Younger ones, be humble enough to put your hand up and to listen, and to learn. Last thing about strengthening this, we need to hold each other accountable. Well, Corey, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. Well, I don't want people to go to hell. Step on some toes. If you haven't seen somebody in three or four weeks, give them a call. You don't have to make them feel condemned or bad. Just say, hey, I haven't seen you at church. You okay? You need anything? You know, maybe they've been on vacation for a month. You know, what? whatever. Maybe it's legitimate. But if they haven't been there, it's not us being jerks by saying, hey, are you okay? That's us loving them. Hold people accountable. Now, let's talk about the physical family. The first thing is this. Guys, if you have been through divorce, if you're a single parent, if you're a kid that has been rebellious, if your marriage is not what it's supposed to be, look, the past is in the past. We have to decide today that we're going to do things differently. And if you will be humble and decide today to do things differently, God can make you into the man or woman that you need to be. He can make you into the man or woman you need to be. Here's where I recommend you start. Pray with your family. Men in this room, if you have children, pray for your kids. Pray for your kids. Well, I don't know how, Corey. Well, I just did two weeks on it right? Go back and watch those. Get that outline. Pray for your children. I don't care how tired you are. I don't care what the circumstances are. You make a way to pray for your kids. Women, pray with your husband. Pray with your kids. Create a culture of prayer in your house. Pray over your meals. Pray for these things. Create a culture of prayer in your family. You also need to be intentional with your time. But Corey, I work late. Then maybe you need to find another job. I'd rather you make $40,000 a year and spend time with your kids than you make $140,000 a year and your family fall apart. I'd rather you make less money and get to spend that time with your family. Get rid of your cable. Downsize your house. Do whatever you have to do. Spend time with your children. Spend time with your wife. Prioritize. Couples in here. Go on dates. It doesn't have to be to Five Senses or Ruth's Chris. You don't have to spend 200 bucks every time you go out on a date. Go get a cup of coffee and drive around. Find a place to sit and talk. Go out with each other, invest in each other. Mother and father, if you're not pouring into each other, eventually your family's gonna fall apart. It'll just happen later rather than sooner. It'll happen when your kids go off to college and you two don't know what to do with each other anymore. Start investing in each other now. Be intentional with your time. Stop making excuses and block off time for your family and your spouse. Eat dinner together. Take the time to sit. I don't care if it's a Little Caesars pizza. Get some food, five bucks. You can feed a whole family, right? Praise God, Little Caesars. I don't even care. (laughs) I don't even care if it's a $5 pizza from Little Caesars. Get some food, sit down at a table, turn the TV off, put your stupid phones far away from you, look at each other's eyes and talk. Do this. Even if it's awkward the first couple of times, over time, you will build up a healthier, stronger family. Eat dinner together. Respect each other. Like I said earlier, women, if you want to completely obliterate your relationship with your husband, disrespect him and disrespect him publicly. It will absolutely destroy your relationship. It is so hard for men to be disrespected in front of people. It is an awful thing for a wife to do. Don't speak poorly of your husband. And wives respect your, I'm sorry, husbands respect your wives. Even if your wife is a stay-at-home mom, it doesn't mean that she has to do your dishes all the time. You do your dishes sometimes. You clean the floor. You watch the kids so she can go out and do something every once in a while. Show her respect and love. Respect each other. Kids, learn to say sir and ma'am. I'm not from Tennessee and I can learn it. You can learn it too. Say sir and ma'am. There are kids that come up to me and I'm gonna brag on myself for a second. There are 12 year old kids that come up to me and I say, how are you sir? Because I wanna teach that 12 year old boy respect. I wanna teach them how you address someone else. Sir and ma'am, respect each other. In a nutshell, men, love your family and lead them. Biblically speaking, at the end of the day, if the family falls apart, men, the buck stops with you. Love and lead. Love and lead. Women, nurture. Ladies in this room, remember, you are the balancing mechanism. And I don't mean that as a joke. Women are the balancers of it all. They're so much more level-headed than men most of the time where men sometimes let their passions get the best of them and we act irrational. Women pull us back and they, they balance us and they humble us. Women, respect your husband. Respect men in your life. Younger people in this room, honor. Honor people older than you. Listen to them. Gain knowledge from them. Here's the bottom line, guys. And it's, it's, it's way up here, but it's a big one. It's the linchpin that holds it all together. Jesus was asked one time, what's the most important thing humans can do? What is the most important thing that we can ever do? And of course, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your mind, body, and soul, right? And then he says, the second one is similar. And he says, I give you a new command love each other. Just as I have loved you, you're to love each other. Listen to this. Jesus says, this is how people will know that you're a follower of me. Not by the building you go to on the weekends not by your tattoo, not by the bumper sticker on your car. They will know that you're a follower of Jesus by how you treat each other, by how you love each other. We can say we love God all day long, but if we don't love our families, our physical and spiritual families, we don't love God as much as we think we love God. To be a follower of Jesus means we love each other. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Listen, I can't say it enough. I know there are a lot of you in this room who you have made some mistakes. I'm talking serious mistakes. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but some of you have been the other woman. Some of you have been the other man. Some of you have ran your families into the ground. Some of you are victims. Some of you are the ones who have been abused, you've been taken advantage of, you've been treated poorly. Now listen, just because those things have happened in the past doesn't mean you have to live in the past, doesn't mean that you can't be the men and women that God wants you to be. You can be what God wants you to be, but we have to humble ourselves. All around this room is communion. That represents the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, let me tell you a little bit about the spiritual family that God has created for us. God gave his only son that if we would just believe in him, that we could be a part of the family. That's what that communion reminds us of, that God gave his only son, that he fills us with his Holy Spirit, that we can be who we need to be. We can be what God wants us to be. So if you're in this room, Maybe you need to ask God to forgive you and you need to start a different path. If you ask God to forgive you of your sins, there's communion all the way around you and that reminds us of the goodness of God and the family of God. There's also people up here on the front, on the right and left. If you need prayer for anything, please let them pray for you. Up here to my right, your left is Dave. He works here at the church. If you're in here and you're not a Christian and you have any questions If you're in here and and maybe you feel something, but you don't know what to do with that, come up here and talk to Dave. He's right up here on my right, your left. And if any of you have broken families, broken marriages, if you need help, you need to give us a call. You need to send us an email and let us walk that road together. Lord Jesus, we love you. Father, it's by your grace that we're saved. It's by your grace and your Holy Spirit, God, that we are able to be what you want us to be. Father, for all my friends in this room, for all the mothers, the fathers, sisters, brothers, for all the husbands, the wives, for the young, for the old, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit protect them, provide for them, God, lead them and guide them. I pray, Lord, that you humble us, God, that we can just trust you and fall at your feet and call out your name, God, for help. Lord, if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you, I pray, God, that something today just sparks something in them, God. Thank you, Lord, that you've invited us into your home, into your family. We're honored by that, and we're humbled by that, God. We love you. Bless my brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys very much. You're welcome to help yourself.